What's up, everybody? It's Mr. James O'Neill here, keynote speaker, national board certified math teacher, and today, your podcast host. My mission is targeting mastery for all, empowered by equity for all, through the belief of expectations for who? For all, y'all. And if I'm saying y'all and I'm using this wonderful southern vernacular, y'all know I'm bringing joy from the south. Most importantly, the QC, the Queen City, Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm super excited that you're joining me. Today, today. So let's get into it. Today's topic is one that was eye-opening for me and is near and dear to my heart because it is something that I am yet working on. Today's topic is this, the day I realized I had internalized racism. Y'all bear with me today. I'm going to go a little deep and uh, I just want to take you on a journey like I always take you on every week that you're listening. In 2007, I began my educational journey after leaving the NC State University home of the Wolfpack. I decided to move to Pittsburgh as an opportunity to advance my life and to go somewhere I had literally never been before. After going to Pittsburgh, I learned really quick that the problem that the South was having with a teacher shortage was not the case in specifically Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I moved there with this idea that, hey, I just graduated honors, I have a degree, I am a math teacher, and I'm a black man. Clearly, y'all don't have me in the classroom. Clearly, there's a shortage of black male math teachers in general in the classroom. I ended up going to Pittsburgh to find out that there was no teacher shortage. In fact, teachers were making a lot more money that they were making in the state of North Carolina and that this idea that every borough, every town, every city, every state had a teacher shortage was dismantled immediately. Especially when I learned that in the city schools, Pittsburgh public school system, that they had a list, a waiting list for teachers called the eligibility list. I learned that there was a waiting list, y'all, listen to me, a waiting list for teachers. I ended up getting on the waiting list and there was a job opportunity that opened up in this city school that I decided to go to teach for half a year. This uh, math teacher was retiring and he was out the door. He literally had one foot out the door. The only reason why he was there was because he had to be there. And I took over this classroom and it was a nightmare because the teacher allowed them to do whatever they wanted to do. And I was sitting in the back writing down my notes. It's like, I need a job. 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 No one else is hiring. I need a job. And so I ended up leaving that school, not because of the kids. It was simply because of the simple fact that I did not feel appreciated nor supported by administration. That was the first time I learned how powerful administration is at a school. So my pastor's wife received a 
an email stating that they were looking to diversify in another borough in the area of Pittsburgh. And so they wanted to diversify because all three of their black teachers, black male teachers were retiring all at the same time and they had none in the entire district. This district was made up of two elementary schools, one middle school, one high school, and an alternative school. And in that district, there were no black males Though the demographics racially were 45% white, 45% black, and 10% um, to a more race, even though that translated in that district as biracial, which was another eye-opening thing for me being from the South. I played football for two years and we literally heard our coach say to us black boys, he said, y'all better leave these white girls alone. He literally told us that out of his mouth in practice. And so me leaving the South with this mentality that black and white, you know, it just didn't happen like that. And going somewhere where 10% of the children in this district were biracial, it was eye-opening for me. And so what happened is that I stayed there for seven years. I loved it. It was a district that had its challenges, but I loved it. I loved everything about being a part of a family. I felt supported, though there was a lot of craziness in the community that the um, news sensationalized. Some of the stuff was real. Anytime anything went down, it was put on a pedestal like it made a big deal I understood my heart was for the kids of this community. These kids, uh, 70 to 75 percent of them were on free and reduced lunch and there were issues. There were problems. They came in with their wearing. I mean, literally, you can see life on them, but I loved them and I loved who I worked with. Until one day I received a text message. My love didn't change that day, but I received a text message from a friend saying that another school in the area was looking to diversify. I hope y'all are following <laughs> the narrative of my life. You know how I'm getting in and out of situations or getting in and out of new districts and opportunities. They were looking to diversify because in this new district that my friend was saying, hey, just the opportunity, if you want to think about it, this school district was made up of, y'all wait for it, drum roll please, 97% white, 2% black, and 1% other. It was totally different from anything that I thought that I would be assigned to do as a teacher. It it wasn't the scope in which I saw myself making a difference. But after praying and talking to my leaders and family and friends, they said, go for it. This is a time where you could advance your career, advance you, and also get to see the other side of the tracks. And so I ended up going into this interview and I'm making this story long, but I'm bringing it to a pause to let y'all know how I saw the internalized racism. But I ended up going into the interview and I did an amazing job. They wanted me to teach a lesson. I was told that over 40 people had applied for this position as a 
math teacher and project-based um, assessment coordinator, which was an initiative that the state was rolling out to get kids that did not pass the state test to pass by showing proficiency on this project. And I would be the person spearheading this project. And so I was like, oh, wow, this is definitely an opportunity for me. And so I took it and got the job and had to leave mid-April. I made the decision to leave because I felt that this would be something that I wanted to tackle for my own personal life and goals in my life. And so they made an announcement one day at school and they told all of Mr. O'Neill's um so they made an announcement one day at school and they told all of Mr. O'Neill class to, um so they made an announcement one day at school and they told all Mr. O'Neill students to come to the cafeteria and all the kids came all super excited and I was heavy as I don't know what. And I looked at my kids and I told them that I was going to leave them in the next two weeks after taking up another job at another district. And I made the mistake of catching their eyes as I saw tears begin to weld up in their eyes and I broke down. I told them that they were my favorite class of all time and I was not fabricating this. It was the truth that I had finally connected with kids on a level that I've never connected with and this did not make sense. This did not make sense. Why would I leave where I felt like my passion was to serve, to go somewhere where it did not look like me. The kids didn't look like me. I didn't see myself represented hardly anywhere. In fact, their only black people at that school at the time was a nurse and the guy that was over the tech department of the school. And there were no black teachers there. Funny, quick, funny, quick story. I was leaving the interview the day uh, I had to head back to my car and the way the school was broken down, you came in on the fourth floor and you worked your way down and there was the, the balcony um, or the upper floor led out into the third floor. And so when I was leaving, I saw two black boys on the third level looking up to me and pointing and was like, oh my God, look at him. He's a, he, that's a teacher. That's a teacher. They were astonished. Y'all, when I'm telling, I'm telling you the truth, no lies detected, no lies detected. They were super excited to see a black man in the building. And I literally wanted to peep over the banister and say, Hey y'all, I'm real. Like we do exist. <laughs> and that it was such a crazy moment. But I remember that moment vividly because I knew how how powerful my image now impacted the people at this school. And so I took the job. I observed um, for the first from April until May. And I had this mindset that I was coming in and I was going to learn something that I've never been able to learn before. I was going to see something that um, that there's going to be magic and wonder at this place because this school district, they just built three years ago a $88 million school. It had state-of-the-art everything. Y'all, when you walked into the gymnasium, you felt like you were walking into a college 
gym, their their arts were state of the art. Like everything was amazing and clean. I mean, y'all, like literally walking down the hall, walking into the bathroom and seeing like newness all over the place. It did something to me. It made me feel like, man, after teaching in the quote unquote hood that I was going somewhere and I had arrived to a place where there was working class money that the the taxes in this area could build an 88 million dollar school and support it so what is internalized racism internalized racism is a form of internalized oppression defined by sociologist Karen D Pike It is racism that involves both the conscious and unconscious acceptance of a racial hierarchy in which whites are consistently ranked above people of color. That is what I was dealing with. I did not know that my idea to see magic and wonder was rooted in this idea that because I was going somewhere where it was 97% white, that they had to be better. That they had to be better because they didn't struggle the way that the kids struggled in the district that I that I was coming from. They had to be better because they had all the resources and the skills and their test scores were amazing. They had to be better because they were white. I did not know that that was my lens until it was time for me to take over my classroom. And for the first five months of me teaching, I was miserable. I was miserable because I felt like I was the only black male. Now, granted, I have been the only black male in many spaces. I just left a school district where I was literally the only black male in the school district but I saw other black and brown students around me. I I had been the only black sometimes in college. I went to a PWI, predominantly white institute, by going to NC State, and we were 5% of the 26,000 students that were there. And so I'm used to being the minority, but I have not, I have not been used to being like the only Like I didn't see me represented hardly anywhere. And the two to three black boys um, that I had in my class throughout the entire scope of the day sometimes didn't even connect with me at all. And so I had internalized this idea that I was not good. Even though 40 people had applied for the job before me, I began to internalize the fact that I got this job because I was black, not because I was good, not because I was excellent, not because I killed that compound inequality lesson. I became an imposter of the success that I was having right there in my life. And I realized that I thought white was better. That is what I walked away with. I thought white was 
better. And so I did not discipline the kids the way I disciplined them um, in the other school district. I did not talk or communicate with the kids the way I talked and communicated with the kids in the, my former school district. I did not interact with the kids. I had this barrier up. I remember even getting dressed and wondering, would I stand out too much by wearing this? I, at the time, I had grew my hair out in curls um, or whatever, and we had the, the the curl sponge, and I had sponged my hair, and one day I wore it out as an afro, and one of the kids made a comment about my hair, and I was just like, I didn't have my clap back that I, <laughs> that I would normally have in the other district because I felt like a foreigner. And it wasn't because the teachers made me feel a certain way. This was one of the most welcoming, I mean, genuinely welcoming people that I have ever experienced. And there was this idea that I had that I had come in that they would look down on me. But they did not look down on me. They welcomed me as a colleague, but I couldn't welcome myself because I felt like they were going to teach me something. I literally sat in the classrooms that I sat in and no shade to anyone, but I realized that the magic and wonder wasn't the magic and wonder that I thought was going to happen. I realized that the kids were different that the kids that sat down and listened to the teacher teaching before them were not carrying the same weight that the kids in my former district were carrying. And though we all have our trials and our struggles and our different things that we have to get over, it was different. The classroom management was different. The expectations were different because it was in a different place. And so teachers didn't have to become magicians because the type of child that sat in front of them did not have to, did not produce the, the magic and wonder that I realized that I had because when you have kids not being able to eat, when you have um, violence in a community, when you have stigma in a community, when you have students that are impoverished, when you have these things and they combine, when students are fighting different things like that, they show up to your classroom wanting more more of just a lesson. They want to know that there is hope. They want to know that there is love. They want to know that they can do and come out of whatever they're in. Though every child wants that, the reality is that what you see, you usually become was the narrative of that community. And so what I began to realize is that I was the magician. Like I was the teacher that had the power to shift things or to articulate math in a way because of the of the struggle it was to get kids to understand and understand and pulling them out of the trenches. You know, you don't get you don't build muscle by just going to the gym and lifting weights that are, that do not strain the muscle, that do not pull on the muscle. I had realized once I stepped into that environment that that I had a teacher power that was greater than many of the teachers there because they didn't have to exercise that same muscle that I had exercised for seven years. And though it was tiring, it was tiring at times, and though it had its own struggles, I didn't realize that I was the man. One of the <laughs> teachers coined me and called me the real deal O'Neill. And 
I didn't get that. I just thought he was just trying to be cool. He was trying to rhyme my name. No, he literally called me that because he said the kids talked about me so much that they loved who I was and they felt like I cared. And I did not get there, y'all, easily. After being there for five five months, after being there for five months, I went home one day and I began to complain to my roommate at the time. And shout out to Antoine. Love you, man. And um, I began to complain about the fact that I'm taking a day off. I need a mental day because I just don't like it here. I just don't understand why did I leave the other school district? Why did I come here? I just hate it here. I can't be myself. And Antoine looked me in my face and he said, stop being a baby. And he chose some other words that I um, kind of just just sat on. Um, He chose some words that just shook me up just a little bit and got my life together. But the essence of what he was saying was that go in and be yourself. Stop not loving those kids. Those kids still need love. Those kids still need a great math teacher. Those kids still need to be connected to someone. They need to know that they're appreciated and they still need to be disciplined for what they do wrong. Like go in and be yourself. And after he told me that, after he told me that, I changed the way I approached that classroom. I realized this with internalized racism, that you can hear that you're so low, that you were that your ancestors were slaves and you look around in your community and you see brokenness and and the narrative is that you know black men don't support and we don't work or we're lazy and we don't we don't make good fathers and 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 you see these things that's in your community and these narratives that you hear over and over and over and though you're fighting to be different I am literally the first person to go to college in my immediate family the first person to have a master's degree and one day will have my PhD. You know, I I look at all those things and you can say, oh, but look at my come up. But you don't realize that while you're coming up, you don't believe you deserve it. You don't believe that you've come up because you have the goods. And I literally sat in that classroom for five months, not believing that I was the amazing teacher that I had been for the past six years. And maybe four, because you don't start off as amazing as a first year teacher. (laughs) So for the past four years, I, I did not realize that was me. I had internalized that white was better. It was the narrative that I believed. And it wasn't until that day that Antoine cussed me out and told me to get my life together and go love on those kids that I loved on them. And they became some of my favorite students ever. I decided to go to their graduation. And when I showed up, they were floored that that I was there because I told them that I would be, and I taught ninth grade math, and I told them I would be at their graduation, and I showed up, and the love and the respect that I got from them was the reason why I do what I do. 
I'm just going to encourage anyone today that have internalized this idea that you're less than. Less than because you're a person of color, less than because you're a woman, less than because you're gay, less than because you don't have as much money. I came to tell you, you are not less than. You are brilliant, you are amazing, and you are the best you that you can be. No one can do what you do. And I came to tell you to believe in you. Y'all, that's the story for the day. I had to go deep and I wanted to share my heart with you. But listen, I have much more to share and I just wanted to send some encouragement your way. Listen, y'all, family, know that I'm on every social media network, well, majority of them. <laughs> you can catch me on Facebook or IG at Mr. James O'Neill, LinkedIn and Twitter at Mr. James O'Neill. There is no dot there, and O'Neill is spelled O N E A L. Or check out my website at www.mrjamesoneal.com where you can request me to come in to do a keynote workshop, talk to the kids. If you want to reach out by email, info at mrjamesoneal.com. Reach out to me. Let me know what you need. Let me know how I can serve you. Y'all, I'm super excited that you joined me today and we're going to bring mastery for who? All y'all. And when are we going to do it? Today. Have a wonderful day.